0: hey this is isaiah Conner flefa and this is rangers nation podcast
1: this is elvis andrew of the texas ranger and you're listening to the rangers nation podcast
2: welcome to rangers nation podcast talking all things texas rangers rangers nation podcast is a part of dallas sports nation providing coverage of all your dfw sports teams now here's your host texas rangers blogger The Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again
1: to Rangers Nation's podcast. I'm your host, The Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is Wits In. It's Richie Witt, longtime DFW Sports Media. Richie is joining me here. Uh, We're going to talk some stuff. Uh, Richie and I actually know each other from far back, and we're going to talk a lot of different things, some old times together, Some all the, all the stuff he's done about Richie where he grew up, the, 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 the sports he's covered over the years. We'll get into some Ranger talk, and then we'll get into the coronavirus. We're going to do all of that right after this. This is manager Chris Woodward from the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode, well, it's wits end. Actually, it's wits end because we're going to have Richie Witt join us. A lot of you that know Richie, he's been in the Dallas, uh, Fort Worth sports media for a long time. In fact, over thirty years. He's on the phone right now. Richie, what's going on, man?
0: Uh, I'm fantastic. The first question is, hey, did you hit record? Is this are we? Is this thing on? We, we doing it?
1: We are on and recording. So uh, just uh, you know no. Know now that I have you on recording if anything
0: happens. <laughs> I'm just double-checking your work. I, I know you have a history of equipment uh, issues, so let's do this. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what us uh, uh, podcasters that are new to the game, every once in a while there's a thing called record. We don't have somebody in studio doing it. You're used
0: to that. So uh, you- I hope- I only joke because I've done it. So yeah, no, no no, worries.
1: Well, Richie, thanks for coming on. This is strange times right now. We've got obviously coronavirus and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I, I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to. And the reason I know the answer to is because Richie and I are from the same place, uh, grew up, uh, we didn't grow up together. Uh, he was a little bit older than me, but we did, we are, we are from the same place and have known each other for a while. But, Richie, you've been in Dallas-Fort Worth for a long time. You've been covering sports in Dallas-Fort Worth for a long time. But tell everybody where you're from, where you were raised, uh, where were you born
0: and raised? I'll tell you how the hell we got here. How about that? Okay. So, uh, born and raised in the hood of Duncanville, which I know you're familiar with. (laughs) Everybody knows Duncanville. These days, it's a sports powerhouse with, you know, going to the state football championship every year and winning basketball and girls basketball. Yep. Back when I went there, class of 82, uh, we had one six-footer on our team, and we mm-hmm. thought we were tall. <laughs> yes. And we did win district. But I was a, I was a, a backup point guard that wasn't worth a dang. And I saw uh, you play. Up. Oh, did you? Oh my gosh! I, I just my... remember
1: you were the sm- one of the smaller guys that came off the bench as a Oh, point guard. I was.
0: You know, I was. Five seven about hundred and thirty five pounds. Does that sound intimidating for a point guard?
1: <laughs> no more intimidating than this uh five eight one hundred and thirty pound uh, wide receiver that started my senior year, so uh, and couldn't run. Yeah, about it. well
2: we <laughs>
0: Well, was in the water or wasn't in the water in Duncanville back then. We were a bunch of little tiny squirts running around trying to do stuff.
1: Hey, you know, people don't know this. I actually mean Joe Green's oldest son is my age. We played football together, Duncanville, all the way through our senior year. Uh, Major. Major. Major was our biggest. Yeah. He was our biggest lineman on our offensive line. And he was six foot, maybe six one, probably weighed about 200 pounds. And he was our biggest lineman on the (laughs) offensive line then.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. I I mean, back back then we're talking early late seventies, early eighties. Oh, yeah. If you when we when we played basketball and uh, we played against guys, I'm I'm dating myself, and maybe your your listeners will know these people. A guy named Ron Faro who played at LD Bell and played at Arkansas, and then a guy named Ray Childers who played at Pierce and later played for the Houston Oilers. Both really good defensive tackle oh yeah but they were both about six four but the first question we would ask when all right guys we're playing uh blank tomorrow night our first question is they got any six footers yeah i mean imagine how preposterous <laughs> that question is with today's uh, even high school i mean yeah. if you if you don't have a front line of six eight six eight six eight you know you're finishing middle of pack your district absolutely anyway, uh, it, it's yeah it's, it's the times have changed the the humans have grown, and we can look back and laugh what we try to do anyway. So <laughs> that that diminutive size um, was was thankfully uh, not anything I was just born with. It was accompanied by a, a pretty feisty spirit. And <laughs> my guy, when I was growing up, was a guy named Pete Maravich. He I remember he Maravich. was it to me, of course. Yeah, I'm not and much he had the younger long than you. Yeah, he, uh, how old are you? What class were you in? I was in eighty
1: six. So um, I was in eighty six. Hey, you were in eighty two. Yeah. Do what now? Hey, you still there? Yeah, I'm
0: here. You got me? Okay. I don't think I lost your thing. Yeah. What uh? What, what class were you in, Duncanville? When did you graduated?
1: Yeah, I graduated in eighty six. You said you were eighty two. So um.
0: I was eighty two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Rich and I, yeah, we actually yeah. So Marovich, I remember Marovich. Um, and uh, yeah. So, go ahead. What what were you saying?
0: So, so Maravich, to me, was so cool because he had long hair. He had high socks. He dribbled between his legs. He passed behind his back. I was just – that that was the guy for me. Oh, yeah. And I played, of course, YMCA basketball and played junior high. And one day I was like, Dad, when am I going to be as tall like Pete Maravich? And he was like, uh, what's plan B? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he knew. He knew. You know, he was he 5'7", was 5'8". Five, five, he knew it wasn't in our family. So, <laughs> I'm like, huh? I have Let me think about that. But I was. Uh, thankfully, to my dad, he took me to Dallas Cowboys games uh, on his shoulders, watch Don Meredith throw bombs to Bob Hayes in a Cotton Bowl, and oh, we, yeah. I went to the first Rangers game and saw Frank Howard whistle a home run over center field at old. Uh, it was Turnpike Stadium yep. back
2: then. Seventy-four oh, the was very, my first.
0: Yeah, I got you. It's a couple years later, I went to the first game uh, at every Union Arena and saw George Gervin do a finger roll. I mean, I was I was very lucky that Dad. Took me to all these groundbreaking events that really shaped me as a sports fan. And luckily, uh, you know, I, I was, my mom likes to say I was, I was full of it. I like to say I was creative. But I kind of turned that into if I'm not going to be big enough to play the games, maybe I can be smart enough and witty enough to write about the games. And that's kind of what I did. I went to, uh, like we said, Duncanville High School. I was yep. the editor of P- Panther Prince, the award winning <laughs> newspaper there. And you know what? People uh, don't
1: People don't even realize that. So so Richie and I come from back in the day, back in the 80s, um, when you were there, when yep. I was there, the Panther Prince, I wrote for the Panther Prince. And, you know, I did put this sure. together. You were actually the editor at UTA, the Maverick, the sports editor, or were you the uh, editor?
0: The short horn.
1: The yeah, short, the short horn. Were you the editor or the sports editor?
0: I was a sports editor, and yeah. so
1: my senior year, I was writing for Panther Prince. And Richie, I'd actually met Richie one a summer, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he came. <laughs> Boy, and, did we ever! Yeah, there we ever, He <laughs> came. He came and spoke at our senior class because um, he was the editor at UTA, and of course, the, Mary Pulliam, he, he, uh, Richie, and I know who that Hell is. Oh yeah, she, she was. Uh, much, I
0: mean, I mean, we make fun of her, but she she gave me the confidence to say, "Yes, you are full of crap," and "Yes, you can turn this into." A pretty decent living if you stick with it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I owe a all lot to Mary Poem. She was one of the stepping stones in my career.
1: Yeah, and she was. And and for those that that pursued this, look at it, it's how I got my love for it. I don't do this for a career. This is fun for me, and I'm getting to live out what you guys do for fun. But uh, Poem pushed a few of them that way um, and, and was very good. And I'm telling you back then, the Panther Prince was probably one of the premier uh, high school newspapers in in the state for sure, maybe the country. They won a lot of, uh, I forget what it was, Quill and Scroll or something they would win awards on. Yeah, there you
0: go. Yeah. Yep. If we weren't one of the best, <laughs> then that's what we told everybody anyway because there was no social media to tell us otherwise back then. Absolutely. So that's what we told everybody. <laughs> yeah, so I parlayed that into, oh, first of all, what do you remember anything from when I spoke to your class? Because I don't. I remember going back there and thinking, this is kind of surreal because I feel like I still kind of belong in this class <laughs> when I was talking to it. But t- tell me the pearl of wisdom that I... That I supplied you that
1: day. I think I still thought about Chin the whole time I was staring at you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, well, we'll get some Chin.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get. <laughs> so the summer before that, I believe, or something, uh, Richie's. Let me let me do a backstory for you guys. I put this on Twitter. Yeah, right? let's do it. So uh, uh, Richie's mother and my mother, I believe, both worked for a. Uh, I think it was an architect or something there in Duncanville, and
0: uh, I couldn't he, even tell you what the company was based on. I really yeah, don't
1: know. I remember where the little building was over there kind of by the old stadium but anyway through yeah. his through his mom and through my mom ended up getting a summer job working at a there was some they were building houses or something and we were supposed, yeah. to, supposed to clean up or something that i can't remember exactly what our job was but i came after you i think you had kind of been doing it all summer and i came of came in the middle and there was a guy there that had this big bandage on his chin and yep. <laughs> richie just started calling him chin so we all started calling him. Chan-
0: and to he, his face. Yeah, to his face. I mean. He never the, said a word. The, uh, and, and no. But I'm, it, I'm lucky he didn't just punch me right out. Because he was, was bigger. It. Yeah, he was bigger. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't even remember. <laughs> did he Did he hurt it while you were there? Or is that just.
0: I don't know. I just. I mean, I was, what, 20? What uh, You know, I was 20 something. Yes. Thought, thought I was invincible. And, you know, who knows? A guy might have had a, you know, he might have had a cancerous tumor on his. <laughs> In front of I just thought, hey, you look different. I'm going to call you Chin, and you know that he was a sweet guy I too. I wish we kid.
1: knew his name. He's he was, actually a, he was sweet, a great
0: guy. He was a sweet
1: guy. I never said anything. Just well, kind of giggled at just
0: it. Google him. Yeah. Google him on Facebook. Just type in Chin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then that. And then so I that, there was a pickup truck that. Was, oh my gosh. And, and yeah. how we survived, I don't know. You would take that truck and you would jump these. catch air and you could see richie bouncing in that front we didn't wear seat belts when we were running
0: around that no i mean it was some of the some of the dumbest decisions i made i'm going to blame it on you because it was that summer so to (laughs) me, the backstory to me working there at this what let's call a construction company yes was my mom and my dad were both uh i mean i was again i was one of the people who knew because of I was a decent rider and I was too short, I knew what I wanted to do at maybe, I don't know, 8, nine, ten years old. Right. And I knew I wanted to be a sports rider. And I'm very fortunate. Most people, you know, you're still looking for what the heck you're going to do in life, and I, and I appreciate your struggle. Yeah. But I knew early on, but they said, we want to make sure that's what you want to do. So my dad uh, was in the banking industry, he worked at First National Bank in downtown Dallas. He said, one summer, just to give you a taste of the real world, you're going to work with me at the bank. And I had to wear a clip-on tie and show up on time. And I absolutely hated it. And the next summer, my mom's like, now, this summer, you're going to work with me in the construction. And I'm like, what are y'all doing to me? But you know what they did? They taught me a lesson that I appreciate going to sporting events and getting paid to do it. Absolutely. That's what the real world was. I wanted no part of either one of those. <sighs> Our great friendship notwithstanding that, that, that's how I landed there. Is that is that crazy job? But, yeah, yeah, and
1: and that that was a fun. Hey, you know what? It was a fun summer. And and look, they overpaid us for the work that we did. There was no doubt about it. Well,
0: one dollar, one dollar would have overpaid us. We didn't do jack crap for a whole summer. We did I not. Think, I think our job was, we were just like assistants. And do you remember the guy who kind of ran the name? It was a name. I think it was in Ewing. It was in the it H-E-B area. Be, yeah. We had to drive from Duncanville to H-E-B every day. Yeah. And then we were on this, uh, in a, you know, a new construction neighborhood with several <laughs> houses being built. And our job was to go around once they finished, oh, the roofing or the bricks or whatever, and kind of clean up for the next phase of the construction to come in. Yes, that's what so it some was. Some days we were literally throwing a thousand bricks by hand in the back of a truck. Yep. The next day we were picking up, you know, a million roof particles, put that in the truck. And we decided after about three days, John, sucks. let's go over here. Let's take this truck they'd given us. Yeah. Let's take it in the woods and do some crazy jumps and stuff. <laughs> and that's what we did for an entire summer. And I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember how and uh, how, how and what we were doing when we got fired from that job?
1: I do not. I, I've i been fired from <laughs> a couple of jobs when I was young. So I don't remember specifically but what happened. I can't remember. We...
0: We were literally I'm not making this up, we were literally taking a nap at probably ten o'clock in the morning, both sound asleep, laying on top of a rubbish pile. And <laughs> and, and, and I do the, remember that now. I guess, and the general manager the construction foreman, whoever was sort pseudo in charge, like took a brick and hit it against the wall and we both jumped up and <laughs> wood chips and shingles went flying and he was like you boys come to my office, and we got fired, and the rest <laughs> was history.
1: And the rest was history, and that's – uh, I don't think I ever worked yeah. on another construction site. I had worked on a couple. No, of- that,
0: that was all – That. thank you very much. That's all I needed. Yep. No. So I went to UTA, a journalism scholarship from Duncanville. Went to UTA, was the sports editor there at the paper called The Shorthorn. And I was lucky enough um, that I was a sports editor, and I got wind of – Uh, I think a football player told me, he said, hey, man, he said, this might be our last game today. And I was like, what do you mean? Because I think they're going to cancel the program. So I sniffed around, talked to the AD, talked to the president, and I broke the story in the shorthorn that UTA football program was being given the – I remember that. I remember that. Well, that story got picked up. uh, This was uh, 1986. I was a senior. Yep story got picked up on the front page of star telegram so the star telegram calls me and says we're going to offer you a job if so you can break stories like that so that's kind of how i got my first job at the fort worth star telegram which is very lucky because i had yep. friends who were just as talented as me and, and and had just as good a background education as me that had to do it the hard way which is they started at you know the duncanville suburban they yep. went out to amarillo really small papers and kind of earned their way to where i was so right. again all along the way, I've had some very fortunate breaks, and I totally recognize that.
1: Well, and I remember too. So we n- not not only did we have the chin situation, but then uh, after uh, you were at the tele- Star Telegram, you uh, came back to your roots, and we uh, we dominated a softball league one year. Uh, me, you, and Mike Fisher was on that
0: team playing first base. And Absolutely. That, and so I- yeah, Mike. When I when I in 1989, I, I started out at, at UTA. Well, for here's my for my first job. I started at Star Telegram, and they said, do you know anything about soccer? Of course, I had no idea about soccer. The only thing I'd ever know was I went to a Dallas Tornado game one time, but I didn't play soccer, yeah. didn't know soccer, didn't like it. And I said, of course I know soccer. I love it. Oh, sure, Which yeah. Which is the right answer, right? Yes, and absolutely. And they said, good, tonight they said, "Tonight you're going and writing the game story on the Dallas sidekicks. I said, fantastic. And I walked out the door, and I was like, who what are the Dallas sidekicks <laughs> do? where is this game? I had no idea. I walked into a reunion arena and there were like walls and they're on an orange ball. And I was like, oh, what have I got myself into? <laughs> but I wound up covering them. They actually won a championship. With Tattoo. People, people will be, yeah, with Tattoo is their best player. Yeah. People will, this will be amazing. The Dallas sidekicks in 1987 won what they called a the major indoor soccer league championship. They mm-hmm. beat Tacoma in a, in a game seven. Right. And those games were live on what used to be Fox Sports Southwest. Back in the day it was called HSC. Home Sports Entertainment. Yeah, HSE. Norm Hitchcock did the games. Oh yeah. Did the games. Mike Ryder was the color analyst. And when the sidekicks uh, when the sidekicks won that game, there was actually a parade in downtown Dallas. It was pretty heavily attended for soccer. Imagine that in Dallas. I, you know, I, rem- just, I, cool.
1: I was not a soccer guy either, but I do remember. I remember going to a couple of games uh, with that because it was kind of the thing to do when they got that.
0: And Which, they would, you, would, in the playoffs, Union would sell out 17,000 fans a game. Absolutely. I know people are going to say, you're full of it. I covered it with my own eyes. I couldn't believe it.
1: Oh, yeah, and Tattoo so, yeah, was from a there, huge name. From
0: there, name. I took a job, and Tattoo took his shirt off after he scored a goal, and he yep. As close as we had as a huge star back then in in fucker. Absolutely. Uh, So I I parlayed that into covering the Dallas Cowboys. I do remember that. And 1989, I grew up a Cowboys fan. Right. Uh, Roger Staubach, Tom Landry, those were gods to me. And my first day at Valley Ranch was about a week after Jerry Jones had bought the team and fired Tom Landry. My first job was, Richie, go in... uh, to Tom Landry's office as he cleaned out his desk and kind of paint the picture for us. And you, I mean, I was, there was P running down the pant, my pants like, I was so freaked out. This was God to me. Oh, yeah. And I've got a little, you know, here I am, a little green, snotty-nosed reporter, and I've got a chronicle God being fired. It, it was just, to this day, I can, I can feel how intimidated I was about that situation.
1: Oh yeah, and I, I can't. You had to do it for a living. I mean, look you you look at me now, and then, and now that I have access to Rangers and I get to go in the locker room and do all of that, it took me half the season before I would open my mouth. I just stayed out of the you yeah. guys that make a living, stayed out of your way, watched what you did, uh, got some tape and stuff I could put on the podcast, and I would always write stuff. You know, that was that was the easy part. But asking a question, I was like, I can't imagine you that green. Having to talk to Tom yeah. Landry, that would have been crazy.
0: And I went from, you know, talking to Tom to a couple weeks later, you know, here's, here's Jimmy Johnson, you know, coming from Miami and yelling at the media and yelling people to get off the asthma field. And I was just like, this is surreal to me. But uh, that's when I met a guy named Mike Fisher, who I'm sure your, yep. your listeners will know. Me. He's been a fixture in DSW for about as long as I have. Yep. But so we covered the Cowboys together. We were the two-headed – Cowboys beat riders for the Star Telegram. Uh, back then, there was such thing as a newspaper war in Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, at the Dallas Times Herald, there was Mickey Spagnola, and there was a woman named Susie Woodham. Right. And at the Morning News, our competitors were guys named Edwarder and Tim Kalashaw. Yep. And we all battled. This, again, this is well before the internet was a thing. Right. And it's back when you ran to your driveway to get the newspaper to see what the news of the day was, and sometimes that was five o'clock in the afternoon. So we we battled for every morsel. Troy Aikman, you know, blew his nose. We wanted to know what the contents were. It was that much of a newspaper war. But what we did in our spare time to get back to what you mentioned was we had a little softball team. Oh yeah, the one of the biggest ragtag softball teams in Ever. the history of softball. Our our name try to follow in this. Our name, the name of our team was the Crimson Tide, yep. because one of our players played baseball. One of my childhood friends. Played college baseball at Alabama. He wanted to be the Crimson Tide, but our jerseys were some mixture of orange. You remember that? Yes, it was.
2: And that we player you're orange. talking about,
1: <laughs> that player you're talking about is uh, uh, what's his name? That the the smaller guy, right? That ended up playing for Alabama and playing in. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. His name is Kurt Pruitt, Kurt and Kurt play, Pruitt, he Kurt Pruitt, yeah. Played, yeah, absolutely. He, you know, he hit the ball over the fence every pitch and slow-pitch softball. But we played yep. in Lakeside Park in Duncanville, which yep. is, a, you know, a, just a little neighborhood crappy park. Neighborhood. And we were pretty good. We had spray paint numbers on our orange uniform. Yep. We looked like nothing. But we had a good enough team to where we won that league. And I talked to Fisher the other day. And he goes, you still have your trophy? And I was like, trophy? I've still got the team picture. <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll post it one of these days on my on my." On my social media, because it is—it's ridiculous that you think that team wouldn't win one game. Well, That's I want a, to know how you know, many we
1: were. how many innings you had on your arm that year, because he was our he was our <laughs> ace. And, uh, I was a workhorse, you, wasn't I? You, you were a workhorse, and Fish was over there. I don't pick, know how that. <laughs> yeah, was at least first. first base, right?
0: Yeah, he was playing first. I don't know how I got tricked in. I don't know how I got tricked into pitching. I was a decent second baseman for Duncanville. We had a good program, but somehow I think nobody wanted to pitch because. You know, so pitch softball. The ball comes rattling right up yeah, the body, that, pretty hard, and nobody wanted to pitch. So, that's where you had your head taken on. off, I was that pitcher. Amen. <laughs> hey, almost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so I got I gotta ask. So now I know that you played basketball in high school. I saw you. What other What other sports did you play when you were growing up?
0: I I played baseball. I was a middle infielder for Duncanville. We were a pretty good team. Uh, I was you know I was imagine Mario Mendoza. I was a two eleven hitter, but a pretty fast, good pinch runner and a utility infielder. My best yep. sport actually was track. Uh, I ran the mile and the two mile. Uh won a couple awards, won a meet or two. So that was I guess my sport, but all that stuff kind of fizzled once I started riding and doing it professionally. It so, it's good to look back on it.
1: Yeah, but where did your love of sports come from? Did it come from your dad who took you to all these games and did all that? Is that where it came Absolutely. from? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, he uh, you know, there there's there's video I say video. There's whole movies, real to real whole movies of me uh at six seven years old in full cowboys football uniform pants with pads shoulder pads yep. helmet in the backyard throwing a football and trying to outrun or tackle my shadow so i was, it was i was just hooked from from being you know from being as, as long as i could remember i was just into sports and I, I do thank dad for that and mom let it happen and but dad you know took me to golf you know when, he took me to the, to the old Byron Nelson when it was at Preston Trail. I mean, we went to all the events, and I'm still thinking of this day for introducing me to sports because I've got people in my family, and God bless them. They're happy, and and I respect them. But my family's roots is from Johnson County, if you know where that is in Texas. It's uh, Cleburne and and Burleson, kind of southwest of Fort Worth. Yeah, I know where. And I would say for every ten males in my family, nine of them are – Rodeo, or they they go to calf auctions, or they're farmers. Yep, you know, just really rural. I have a few living, of those. And they're in there. Happy, that's Crazy, and and they look and they look at me kind of like I'm an alien because I live in the city and I you know I have a cell phone and it's just a whole different world. But thankfully, I say, Dad, thank you for coming to Dallas and civilization and introducing me the Sports because otherwise, I would you know probably be riding a horse doing this interview.
2: <laughs> well, let me
1: ask you this so, all the years you did, and you've had a couple of radio shows you did. Um, I've seen the what's yep. the thing you're doing now? Uh, is it DFW Press Box? Is uh, so what well, I've seen so you I've graduated,
0: with, yeah. So, I did a Press Box DFW uh podcast with video, I've graduated from that. Um, and life comes full circle, you know that, yep. So, we just talked about Mike Fisher, Mike Fisher is now. The editor-in-chief of sports illustrated slash dallas so sports illustrated has gone really hyper, hyper local and they now have satellite offices in all the big cities right and fisher's in charge of sports illustrated dallas so he's hired me recently to be a sports illustrated columnist so you can find my stuff uh at cowboyssi.com so it's, it's mainly cowboys but i write a with them you know column a week right and i cover all the major teams you can so that's the easiest place to find my writing. Yeah.
1: Well yeah, and I knew you were coming there from I met a guy, uh, Chris Halleck, who is the Ranger beat writer for uh Yeah, Ranger I Know the something. Name, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's new to it also and Chris came on the podcast with me and we've done one roadshow podcast. We'll have to do that too. We'll all get out together and do a roadshow somewhere. Um, and then
0: I mean, when and where, I'm
1: in. Yeah, we'll do that. I, I've just talked with Texas Live. They're going to allow me to do a couple out there. So uh, we'll have to do it and, and, and do one out there. It'll be a lot of fun. But, yeah, so I knew you what were doing you that. big time. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's.
0: No, I'm seriously, now that's a- that's a good venue. There'll be a great crowd, and that that adds some, you know, validity to what you're doing here. So, seriously, congratulations. That's very cool.
1: Well, thank you. I've uh, we, well, everything kind of got coronavirus, uh, so we were, you know, we hadn't picked a date to do it yet, but we, we will. We I want to see what's going on here, and I want to get into coronavirus here in a little bit. And we're going to obviously before yep. that talk about the Rangers because that's what this podcast is. But I got to talk about what your uh, favorite sport to cover is. What is your favorite sport to cover?
0: You know. I, so later, when I was in college, I was chasing a, a female, as you do, and she played tennis. No. So I, <laughs> so I just decided I like tennis. I mean, that, so that's the sport that I now play. I love to watch it. Right. I don't get to cover a lot of it. I've been to Wimbledon. I've been to uh, the Australian Open. But there's, you know, tennis around here is more of a hobby. NBA, I, I, I love covering NBA the most because I just think they have breathtaking athletes oh doing. Oh my gosh. Just Plausible things on a, on an basis. I love baseball. Grew up. Baseball is the first sport I played. Right. I always had a special place for it. But basketball. If you just go, so Steve Nash, for example. Everybody remembers Steve Nash. Yeah, absolutely. The little point for the Mavericks. Won a couple MVPs. You walk into the locker room and the guy is six foot three. Yes. And he, on the basketball court, he looks five foot seven. Absolutely. Those guys are just so big and so athletic. And you sit baseline a couple games or press row. And you just see a guy set a pick, and you think, that would have broken my clavicle. <laughs> it's so violent and so fast. And you see LeBron, and LeBron would be the biggest defensive end in the NFL. Oh, my god! And gosh. he's taking the ball coast to coast. It's just, the, the, I just appreciate and love to watch the athleticism in the NBA. Um, but I'll always have a special place, you know, for baseball. And then, of course, the Cowboys are probably my fondest memories. Right. i covered all three of their Super Bowls. So, uh, it, it's all across the board for I me. Mean, I've been very blessed, but if you give me the give me an nba game to watch over all the other ones I'll probably go there
1: well yeah and you played uh you know you played basketball uh in high school too i i basketball outgrew me by the time i got into high school i played it all the way through you know here's a question only Duncanville people will know and back when you and i were there um, there were only two of them were you a bird or reed guy
0: i was reed of course I was fourth right. side of the track that's
1: me Me too. That's where I was. I was a Trojan also. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good question. So you, we played in that old rickety gym that was the still there by the way.
0: Did I Did I ever. I thought it was, I thought it was heaven though. When I was in
1: it. Oh man, it was like huge. You know, any YMCA basketball you played as a kid was never anything like when you went into there and there was a whole thing of stands on one side, it was
0: pretty cool. And now you go in there and you're like this little, you know, this little yeah. toilet of a, of a gym was used to be intimidating, but it was.
1: It was like the bright lights in big city when you was. Oh my gosh, it, it, you would almost expect in our eyes that there was a, a trying hanging down from the middle there because it was a big old thing to play in. But it turns <laughs> out it was just this little, little old gym. So okay, so all the years you've covered it, you've, in, in what you're doing now, yep. who is the nicest athlete you've ever covered, whether any sport? Just, just man, this is just a genuinely good dude. The
0: nicest. Um, and there may be more than one, you know, I just, no, I, I, I just mentioned his name a minute ago and I say this because of when the microphones were down and when the notepads were up, he was the same guy, Steve Nash. No kidding. And that's important. so, so intense, so intelligent, so articulate and so, he, he so got the media and what our role was. He he didn't look down on us. He looked like okay, we're partners and making this NBA bigger. Right. And the more time I give you, the more you're gonna write about me. It's gonna make me better. And he wasn't afraid to speak his mind. He spoke out against a bunch of things the NBA was doing they didn't like. And I just and when you would put the would put the interview down, he would say, Let's go have a beer and you could talk anything with him. Just my number one interview of all time, Steve Nash, no doubt.
1: Oh man, well that I, and I've always liked Nash. And I it, and I it maybe obviously it must not be the Nash's uh, extent what you're talking about but Dirk always seemed like a good guy too but of course the whole media world was on top of
0: Dirk so I, I can almost see a little shield going up unfathomable pressure on, on, on Dirk but again yes I mean if there's a one and you know there's honorable mention Dirk get right up there he, he, he was amazing of all just of all the things he had to put up with media and otherwise just yep. to have zero and I mean zero missteps Yep. 20 years was just it's confounding how great he was.
1: Well, you know, and it's really funny. My son and uh, my daughter's getting married here in June, and, and the guy she's married is a huge Maverick. Bas- played basketball here in, uh, in, in Richardson. And uh, he, you talk about grew up with Dirk. He was born the year Dirk was started in the NBA and grew up all the way through with Dirk Nowitzki playing for the Dallas Mavericks until he retired and he was in college. So you, that's an icon. None of us have that. Where the year we were He's born. He's a spoiled brat, then. Yeah, he is. He, he st- thinks every player's going to be like Dirk. <laughs> he is, and and just. You like- know I
0: i went from the I went from the Cowboys beat to in the mid nineties. I switched <sighs> over to the Mavericks. I know mean, I want to do my own thing. My rookie year, I covered uh, my rookie. My first year on the beat was ninety four, ninety five. Jason Kidd was rookie of the year, but I covered Dirk's first game. Uh, I covered him drafting and coming over, and I was in Seattle his first game. Yeah, and I was. And I think I wrote, there wasn't social media, that I think I wrote in my column, this guy's not going to make it in the NBA. He's going to be lucky to score 60 points and, you know, he wound up scoring 30,000. So I think I was wrong about Dirk. <laughs> but boy, he's in he did not look like a guy who was going to be, you know, the fifth all-time leading scorer in the Hall of Famer when he started.
1: <laughs> okay, I, I can beat you, although I don't do it for a living. I can beat you on your total miss on Dirk because I, I would have bet a year's salary and everything I own, I looked at everyone I knew and said that the Indianapolis Colts will rue the day that they take Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf.
0: Let's don't, let's don't start comparing failures because that would be a long and very humbling show. But yeah, we both we both have our swings and misses. That's a pretty good one.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean and I and my I have an uncle who's actually just like a year or two older than you. So we kinda grew up like brothers. And uh he yeah. never he always will just in, in any sports argument just go, Peyton Manning and look at I'll go, All right, you know, I'll just shut up. And I'm not gonna because yeah. I <laughs> I can't really I don't that's have exactly, an answer for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's his nuclear option. He wants to end the argument and win it. Right? What, what
1: you're done now? Every time I see him, I'm gonna go. Yeah, this this guy. Yeah, this is you, you don't you, you don't remember Novitski? Uh, this is Richie way Yeah, he said Novitsky wouldn't score 60 points in his career and wasn't gonna make it. Yeah, so
0: I, I mean, he didn't look like he'd get a shot off. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so now we're gonna go. So now we got it we on that end. We got to go to the other side of it. Who was the biggest? And I'll just say it. If, if you're if you're younger, put your put your fingers in your ears. Who was the biggest?
0: asshole you ever covered? Well, I don't even have to think twice or long about this one. Charles Haley. Charles Haley. Number one and there is no number two. Charles Haley got (laughs) traded from the Niners to the Cowboys uh, in 1995. Fantastic player. Help him win three Super Bowls. Absolutely. And, And he walked in the door the first day at Valley Ranch and I was one of the first people to greet him and I said, I'd heard bad things about it. So I said, Mr. Haley, welcome to Dallas. I said, do you have a couple of minutes for an interview? <laughs> and Charles Haley looked down at me and put his finger about an inch from my nose and said, white boy, get the F out of my face and don't ever talk to me again. Oh my that was our first interfacing. And you had to cover him. So you had to put a microphone
1: in his face for for
0: a while. And here's what I did. Here's where I go back to where I'm, you know, some people say I'm ballsy. Some people say I'm idiotic. I'm probably a mixture of both. That was my exclusive interview with Charles Haley, and I printed it in the Portland Star telegram Because <laughs> that's what he told me. And he read it, and then after that, I was no longer Richie Witt. I was Richie Witt that replaced the W with an S. That was my name <laughs> every time I walked in the locker room at Valley Ranch. And he would scream it at the top of his lungs. And I would be doing a, uh, an interview with Troy Aikman and Charles Haley from across the locker room. We're probably talking, I don't know, like 20 or 30 yards. Would hurl, I mean, as hard as he could, a roll of athletic tape at me. And try You know, h- that that's, that's stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's trying to kill me. Oh, yeah, because that and stuff it, is God hard. And God forbid if he, was, if he was a foot to the left, he hits, you know, the future Hall of Famer Troy Aikman <laughs> in, in the temple. And Troy had to go, Charles, knock it off. And it was just, we were just, we got off on the wrong foot, to to say the least. Let's fast forward. Years and years and years later, this is probably when I had a radio show at 105.3 to Fan. Yeah. Uh, We got word from a publicist that said, hey, would you guys like to have Charles Haley on? He's promoting, whatever, you know, reading and kids and then the hood or whatever. Right. And I said, you know what? It's been a long time. Let's have him on. Yeah. And we had him on at the... Uh, at a place called Duke's Roadhouse in Beltline on in Addison, there, and Charles Haley came in and gave me a big hug. It says, man. I'm so sorry for everything. He said, "I'm bipolar. I got anger management issues. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take my meds back then." He goes, "But I know you're one of the people I treated like crap," and my response was, "There were people you treated worse than me." <laughs> 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 so he since apologized. We're now friendly-ish. So back back then, a monster. But now he's matured and I can deal with him. So, but yeah. He, he he was a handful back then, on and off the field.
1: Well, you know, and one things, I, one of the things that I've learned, and I, you know, I've had one season of being in a locker room, and not even for the full season, I was just there about thirty five games or whatever. And you know, it's a little intimidating for me. I don't get paid to do this. I'm trying to stay out of beat writers' ways because, I, look. A lot of stuff I get, I get from guys like you. So I'm I'm not in any way trying to take anything away from people like that. So I try to stay out of the way sure. and, and do things. And and even though I, there's st- stuff I want to get for the podcast or do whatever, but you see guys and some of them standoffish how they do it. And 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 there are people that get that attitude towards them. And I said, you know, let me tell you something. I, I'm not going to sit there and get on an athlete. Yeah, they can be a jerk sometimes or an ass or whatever. But, you know, if what if someone comes to your work every day, stands over your shoulder and tells you the things you're doing wrong? I said, you might get a little defensive every once in a while. And then I guess after it's over, everyone seems to be a better person once their career is over. And they can have, and, and especially those that get into the field and start doing and journalism have to ask questions.
0: Oh, but, absolutely, yeah.
1: But nowadays I think nowadays it's probably a lot easier for people in the media that cover them than what you had to do, because like you said, and I've heard the stories from the beat writers and on the Rangers back then it was a competition. You had to get who was trying to beat who to get it out and do that. Nowadays, a story will break and within 20 seconds, everyone has it, you know, because of social media and what happens. And so they actually help each other a little more. And I think players today who grew up in the social media age understand that if they want to get their name out or be a product or do anything, they have to be a little more friendly and that can help them and get stuff out about them and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think they're a little friendly. Yeah, they're
0: the really, the really smart ones and, and there's you know there's classes there's and there's uh, representatives that you can hire to do this. They're really yeah. smart guys, like Tony Romo, for example, just to use a local example. Right. He realizes, God, I don't want to answer these questions from these same bozos today, but if I do, Right. They'll, they'll write about me they'll write the positives about me It's giving me a platform that's unprecedented
2: right. I need to use
0: it for my best interest and parlay that to something maybe down the road and look now he's getting paid 17 million dollars a year to call football games. Yeah, so the absolutely. smart ones realize use the media don't look at them as a, as a you know look at them as an ally not, not as a, an enemy.
1: And in this day and
0: age, but not, I, everybody, not everybody does that.
1: Yeah, and in this day and age, I think one of the biggest disappointments I've ever seen in this day and age is what with with the Astros and what happened, uh, and and everything there was the PR nightmare they caused themselves. And and I said, you know, I've never, I, I love baseball. I'm a baseball nut. I'm, I call myself my little monikers the Recliner Nerd, and I'm just a nerd on baseball. I know a lot of stupid. <laughs> I know a lot of stupid things about baseball. I probably shouldn't. I, I do not have the ability to have a job in baseball because I wasn't good enough to be a professional baseball player. But there is a job that I am capable of doing in Major League Baseball, and that's the guy that walks up to anybody and says, would you just shut the hell up and not say another word right now? <laughs> and that would be my yeah. PR job. Because some of the time I mean, the worst case of foot and mouth, there are times you could, somebody needed to just step in front of Jim Crane or anyone and say um, – just don't say another word right now, and let me get you in. You know, a corner we and, could
0: all, you know, even us on our little personal level, we could all use that guy every now and then. Absolutely, like, hey, Richie, shut the hell up. Yeah, the just, shut the hell up, guy <laughs> would be valuable in everybody's life at some point. <laughs> okay, Speaking so of the Astros, though. So this, this real quick, the coronavirus thing. Yeah, there aren't there aren't a lot of winners. I mean, I, I'm not making a lot of it. There, are, you know, people I, are getting. I sick, wrote about this, <laughs> but if there is a winner. To the coronavirus, it's the frigging Houston Astros. Nobody's talking about garbage cans or sign stealing or take back the trophy. Now we're just absolutely <laughs> consumed with the season starting late, when they're going to start, and, and coronavirus. So, right, and I'll guarantee you, yep, somewhere deep down in in, in Jim Crane's dark polluted soul, yep, high fiving coronavirus. Guarantee I'm, it.
1: You, I just blogged last week in the and the headline was: Are the Castros happy about the coronavirus. That's a, That was the headline. And, and, I, I, and Maybe I, said, I
0: read your blog and stole it. Who knows?
1: Yes. And, and so I was like, and, and honestly, I was like, well, obviously I'm just, the headline's just a headline grabber. Obviously nobody wishes ill will or health or on that, but you talk about someone that lucked out on this and it was the Houston Astros. I mean, this thing has taken them completely off the front page
0: and they're not the most yeah, hated. But it's temporary. It's temporary, John, because this is so big yep, and so just, Tears at the fabric of the American pastime. Yep, it will come back. I think as, soon as so, too. coronavirus goes away and baseball's back on the field, we're going to everybody's going to go, "Oh yeah, those freaking cheaters are at it again." And I think it, maybe it was not the same intensity it was, but that's not just going to get swept under the rug because of coronavirus. No, if it's the not. The Astros hate deservedly so. Is going to come back.
1: Yep, exactly. And and I think so too. And I I wondered. And then I thought about it, and then uh, Chris Halleck is the one that said, no, he he had got the new MLB 2020, the little video game. And people are putting up little video posts of players throwing it at the Astros on the game. <laughs> so, I they said, deserve so, it. Yes. Everything
0: that comes their way, whether Absolutely. it's a pitch or an insult, they, they, they deserve every one of
1: them. I said, I said you know, you know, the whole thing, I said, this whole thing would have been averted and it may not have ever, of course people are going to get mad, but you talk about something that's going to last longer than it should have Jim Crane stepping up when the, that, I think what started it all this year was the one question about, do you think it affected the world series? And he just flat out said, I don't think it did. And all all the the only answer, that's where I knew I could be a PR guy. The only answer to that is, you know, it could have, there's no way of knowing for sure. I mean, you know, I'd like to think it didn't, but of course, you know, if we were cheating and doing that, it's possible. There's no way of knowing whether it did or not. But yes, I mean, we were—we had players cheating; they were doing that. So there's obviously—he yeah. needed—he
0: yeah. Yeah. needed some pregame to go through a rehearsal and get the questions that the media was going to ask him. And yes. He obviously did not do that, and that's just not on him. That's on Astros PR. That's Absolutely, on the media. Like, which has
1: been a he nightmare was still anyway.
0: Prepared. Yeah, oh, no doubt. But he was ill prepared for the question because the question was, you know, do you think this, how much do you think this helped? And he said, I'm not sure it did at all. Yeah. And then, of course, that opened up an entire avalanche of, if it didn't help, why the hell did you keep doing it? Yeah, absolutely. And he didn't have an answer for that, and then off we go.
1: Yeah, and I, I legitimately think that they thought, well, this thing will just die down. If, you know, Let's just get through the opening press conference. It'll be over. And, yeah, there'll probably be a few ticked-off people, but they'll probably be in New York and L.A., and we won't have to worry about it. And all of a sudden, I think the, the deer in the headlight went, you know what, this may be bigger than we think it is. and uh, it, you Which know, is
0: another <laughs> sign of just how out of touch they were, that banging on a garbage can was okay, and then thinking that banging, banging on a garbage can was not a big deal. They, yeah. they, they just – they swung and missed, and it just kills it to have the trophy to prove it. Oh, so my
1: far. gosh. I know it. And so, you personally, do you think they ought to? I mean, I, I find it hard to do,
0: but should they remove the title? They should put an Astros spot. I really mean that. Just like they should Barry Bonds and uh, his home runs and yep. A Rod MVPs. And yep. I'm not saying everybody in baseball doesn't cheat, right. but the Astros cheated better than everybody else. Exactly. Barry Bonds cheated everybody else. Lance Armstrong cheated everybody. So let's just don't say he's the only one to cheat, but let's just say what happened. He yep. was the best cheater in a cheating era. Let's just admit what happened. And in a way, it will like, it will lessen what they did, but it will also magnify what they did at the same time. Yep. I would love to see that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the asterisks on Wikipedia, they put it there, I believe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... I <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know wikipedia you got to trust that right is that <laughs> sure reliable source? that's very reliable but no i i agree i i, I found it I, everybody said they should vacate it and i said you know look i i i get where you're coming from but honestly like jim crane should have said there's as much as there's you know did it help it's very possible it could have yes it could have helped there's no obvious truth that nothing would have ended the same way had we not done it um, um it, likely we got the advantage and yeah and and we got caught doing it and it did help us or or whatever but uh, you know there, there's no way of knowing if they weren't doing it if it wouldn't have ended the same way um so the asterisk was fine for me i think it's hard to go back and just go well you don't get it because you know it, it's it's hard to prove that they wouldn't have still won um I think, yeah. so I think it's
0: impossible. Not hard. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's and that's the that's the reason the asterisk, and I, I think it was hard to vacate it, and I was and that's why I was defending. I don't think you just vacate it. I think that's impossible to do. So let me ask you this: so yeah. of of all the DFW teams right now, so we got the Stars, Mavericks, Cowboys, Rangers. Which one will be the first one to win a championship?
0: Wow. It's been so long since we won one, I can't even remember. I mean, the Mavericks <laughs> won it in 2011, and of course I was at Bush Stadium when the Rangers were one strike away twice. We'll get into that. Oh, um, my gosh. I mean, I think, I think the Mavericks, would, because it only takes one yep. superstar to, to transform a franchise in basketball, yep. and they've got that guy with Luka Doncic. Yeah, they've, they've got, got, a, got a guy who's pretty dang close to that with Chris uh, Chris the Porzingis. If he can stay healthy. Give yeah. those two guys you get you get some guys around them yep and you know they're already a middle of the pack in the west i mean give Luca a couple years to even you know sharpen his game like like dirt did and and learn the nuances of the nba and i think they've really got the nucleus that could win a championship now it's also difficult if they play in a hard conference with you know but one of these days lebron's going to retire and Right. And all of a sudden, Luke is going to be the alpha dog, the oldest dog, and when he's in that position, yeah. the Mavericks are going to win it. The Cowboys, to me, are just treading water. The Rangers—I mean, they improve their pitching, but you know, they're still a couple years away yep. to me. And yep. I honestly don't follow hockey enough to know. Right. I mean, I know the Stars have a really good record this year, and come playoff time, I'll be acting like I'm a hockey expert, but I really don't know enough <laughs> about hockey. That's the way to I see am. where they are. So, if I if I had to bet, I'd put my money on the on the Mavericks right now.
1: And that and, and to me. I think so too because you, you only have five guys on the court and like you said, you've got to have one alpha dog to win and they've got an alpha dog. They do And that, I get yep. that term from a guy named his name's Michael Tepid that writes for uh, Lone Star Ball, does the, the Rangers. he's a minor league guru guy. I mean this guy's like a scout. Anyway, I've got to know Mike and, and but he, he talks about winning baseball championships and he goes, the teams that win usually have one alpha dog. He goes, think about it, that you've got on your team, someone like a, you know, like Mike Trout, or you've got uh, you know, the Clayton Kershaw or something like and the Rangers just didn't have yeah. they don't have an they've got a potential alpha dog and Joey Gallo if he's figured it out and all of that. But in, in basketball, Luca is that. And uh yeah. and that he is, and you talk about lucky. The Mavericks are kind of like cowboys and their quarterbacks that kind of get lucky and end up finding quarterbacks throughout time that have always uh been, yeah. been capable. Uh, if they go from Dirk Nowitzki and now they've got Luka Doncic, I mean this guy is. Imp- I mean, two that's two
0: Hall of Fame selections out of the blue, and a lot of people said don't draft him. So yep. they get credit for that. Now, in between, they've had a million misses on draft picks and <laughs> yeah. trade acquisitions. But if they hit those two, you you take two Hall of Famers when a lot of experts were saying this guy's not it's not going to be any good. Yep. Then then you you know that's feathers in your cap, and that that can sustain a franchise for decades. It's, just those two moves. Yep, exactly.
1: Okay, so we got to go to the Texas Rangers. This is the Texas Ranger uh, podcast, so we're going to go into the Rangers. What, what, um, what do you think of the current team, or who do you like? Um, what in your mind? What were you kind of thinking this year? Uh, of where they were going to go, or, or who to watch, or anything?
0: So I went out to uh, Scottsdale two weeks ago. Yeah, um, a, it was. At, in essence, it's a guys' trip, and we play golf, and in the afternoon we get. Watching spring training baseball, we saw Rangers, Cubs. Of course, you can't glean a lot from these split squad games and whatnot. But right. we were just kind of talking. It was eight of us, and if if Kluber is who he was, you know, two three years ago, right? They got a pretty good staff all of a sudden, right? But if he's not, then we're kind of where we were last year, aren't we? I mean, they've added Robinson Torino as catcher, right? Still looking for a, a good catcher since Pudge left. That was literally was that. Trinos is solid. My, my concern is your really good teams are strong up the spine of the team. The spine of the team is right up the middle. Yep. And it's second base and shortstop. And I love Elvis Andrews. I yep. love him as a person. He's a battler. But yep. he's getting older. His numbers are declining. And I never have liked or appreciated Rudnit Odor. Right. And that's your spine right there. Right. And if Odor is going to strike out 200 times, and if Elvis is going to continue to decline in the field and at the plate, yep. that's a weakness all of a sudden where every other team you're going against now has, you know, they got 30-30 guys at both positions. Right. So I just don't know how you overcome that. And well, I know the Rangers have so much invested in Odor, they can't just give up on him. Well, they will. They can't this year. have a second <laughs> baseman. After this year, they will. You're exactly right. But uh, they're, they're going to go in, you know, giving him, John Danis says, we're going to give him. You know, enough rope uh, to let him figure this out. But we've, we've been saying that for three four years now. Yeah. So now he- you believe in O'Dor? Is he going to figure
1: it out? Well, here's what I think about O'Dor, and and I defended him some last year. Last year they gave him rope because of the fact that they weren't in it. By the time Joey got hurt and everyone got hurt, and they fell out, um, and he continued the strike. I think they thought eventually he would come around to the guy that they normally know. He did end up hitting 30 home runs, but then he hit like 209, and uh, you know he had an yeah. ops and uh, ops were low. And so, look, I Chris Woodward, I sat and talked with Chris Woodward many times. I it's, it's crazy I'm getting to say that I've talked with
0: Chris Woodward many times and J D he's a good he's a good man, a great baseball guy. I think I think they'd hired somebody that yes. can win in Woodward. I do like him.
1: And this is a guy that will sit and, and, and talk with the media and when you go and get to you know, you covered a couple games. You said this guy is he. He will talk to me. He's just friendly. He doesn't. He's the same when he's in front of the microphone and off, and that's very that's very pleasant. You said that. That's that's what you like to see. But he he basically said on it and you know in there that um, you know Odor's, Look, you, it's hard to ignore numbers, and uh, at some point the best players have to play, and uh, and you know and he was in in other words, you know, look, we've asked him to do some stuff. I think there was some. Uh, They felt that he was not – he wasn't – they went all analytics, you know, more analytics. And I think uh, Odor, either he didn't understand it well, maybe with language, um, or exactly, you know, not being technical and how they were trying to do it. He really, that last – the last month, he looked better. Um, And then he he said that when the season ended. We were interviewing Odor at the end and, and the season was over. And he said, uh, you know, I'm just going to do exactly what they say. Um, everything they want me to do, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and he said, uh, you know, I, I did that this last month. I, it felt better. And then in the offseason, he went to Florida to work on something, did the same thing. Uh, his numbers have been good in spring training, but they always are. He always is good always. in spring training. Yeah. And so he seems to be saying what he said, but I'll tell you this right now. They're trying to find a place for Nick Solak.
0: And, uh, yeah, that's true. And that's the guy I saw with the Cubs, and he the the ball off of his bat got everybody in my group to go, "Whoa, who was that?" And yep. it was so like, and he, he he just got a sweet swing and makes solid contact. Yep. Uh, if I'm Oduor, I'm worried about him. Of course, O'Dour and he, is and he should about be.
1: I think I think
0: Oduor's getting... worried about his eye black and his bandana and his beard and right. his jewelry and his yep. socks and his you know body armor. Yep. That's what Oduor seems to be consumed with. Not, oh, crap, I need to stop chasing that pitch out of the
1: zone. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, and look, it, it's it's like I said with Gallo, too, who who seemed to figure it out, too. No one's asking Odor. I, we're not saying you need to hit 280 to 300. We're saying you can hit 230 to 260, but you've got to also have an OBS on base percentage somewhere close to four. In other words, you got to be taking some exactly. walks. A single and a walk are the same thing. And then when you're doing yep. that, if you are hitting the ball, 30 times out of the yard, your ops is going to go way up if you'll do that. Yep. In other words, you don't have to tie – when 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 there's guys out on – you know, ducks on a pond or whatever and you come up, we're not looking for you to, to put us ahead right away. A walk will work just as fine. You know, wear the pitcher down more. And I think – I hope to see that. But I can tell you now, this year I will tell you that I will cry more for him to be taken out of the lineup than last year if he's not producing Good. because I think this team – is is literally? I think they're a better team. Look, even if if Kluber. I, do, is, I
0: agree. I agree. They're better.
1: Yeah, and that's all you can ask. Get better every year. They, I think they will compete for the for the wild card. They're not going to beat the 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 A's. I think the A's are the are going to win the the West. I think I think the Astros aren't going to make the playoffs. I've said that, and I, I wow. Look, I, here's what I think. I think I think I, I asked Jeff Fry about this. I said, look, I know. Yankees go to other stadiums and they get booed by everybody and all of that but it's because you're the Yankees. There is a legitimate hatred for the Astros of we don't think, you know, every if you start off bad, Astros started off bad last year and then they they turned it on and got yeah. going again. If you start off bad this year in the back of your head, people are going to be saying, well the reason is cuz you're not cheating. You know, and I think it's going to play in their head and I just think that the, I mean, look, they'll have a winning record. I think they'll 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 compete and be there but i think that they are a team that it, it, i think it could be a disaster year now verlander's hurt um so he's not going to start up and and it could be a disaster for them this this might be a
0: disaster i, I wish i wish you were right i, I hope think so. you're wrong and what i what i really think is oh I, they're good I, don't get me wrong hope, they are a good team you hope what you you hope what you're saying comes true yes. i don't think you really believe it but i'm with you. i'm with you on hoping and i hope it's a disaster year for them i i,
1: I do too and well the the the, the problem with my argument you know, that you and I both had one where I said the Peyton Manning thing. But the problem with my yeah. argument is that they are just top to bottom, they're a good team. They are a good lineup. They're
0: a strong lineup.
1: And they, and they are a good that's
0: team. That, and that's what's so sad about the whole situation is yes. they're a great team. They have great players. Right. They You know, they, they weren't they, they were 81-0 at home and 0-81 and on the road. I mean, I'm not saying the season didn't help them, but it wasn't the only thing that helped them. Right. That's what the whole shame of it is. What what they did was tarnish a really good potentially championship team and took away, you know, the benefit of the doubt that they would have won or not. But they're not going to – are they going to get booed? Are they going to get harassed like no team we've seen in modern-day baseball? Yep. Yes. Yes. Does that make them forget how to hit it? I I just don't see it. I think yeah, like they're yeah. going to be it, one of the best teams.
1: Yeah, that, and that's that's my thing. Is it going to be a head game for them? My, my guessing is – and and hope you're right. There is a lot of hope there, but my guessing is, yeah, I think I think this is going to weigh on them heavier. And and Jeff Fry said, yeah, you know what? I I think you could be onto something there. He goes, their head games can get in a player who, who they do like to be liked. They like to be hated for their play as good players, and that can yeah. they can thrive on that when you know when you hate Mount. Look, I hate Mike Trout every time he plays the Rangers. Mike Trout's a sweetheart guy. He's just a great guy in the community. He's all of that. I just hate the right. fact that he kills the Rangers. I want to meet the guy. I, I, I want him to be yep. – I, I love that he plays the game. When they're questioning whether you were even the guy you were because you cheated your way into what you're doing, that can have an effect. That's what I'm saying. And, yep. and so,
0: It can go one of two ways. The Astros could – they're, they're going to get booed. Merciful, merciful, oh, merciful it's going to be bad. But is it going to, like you said, is it going to crater their – their self confidence is it going to make them doubt it and say, "Man, maybe these guys are right. Maybe we're cheaters," or is it going to be like uh, the, the bad boys Pistons of the eighties, where it's yes. us against the world? Would give us a you know, let's wear let's wear all black uniforms. Yep. Let's show the finger to the crowd. Let's go beat the heck out of them and Lanier. let's galvanize as a team. There's that. Yeah, there's that possible too. So yep. it could go one of two ways. You're right about that.
1: Yeah, and and so and and that that was my main deal with it because you know the 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 pistons didn't cheat they played dirty they were just mean and played and they didn't care what everyone thought and with the astros there's questions people are questioning outside of houston uh some of us who were more baseball savvy savvy we know a little bit more about baseball we know these are some look i saw um uh correa playing up here in uh in frisco that the guy was hitting the ball i mean he almost took down a whole awning over there when he hit a line drive. This guy was amazing how hard he hit a baseball. So we know they're good players. George Springer's an amazing baseball player. So's Alex Bregman and all of that. But, you know, if they start off bad, if they start off – in a hole, they lose, start losing series, losing two out of three, doing whatever. What's the mind effect on their, you know, what how, what does that do to their mind effect? What's that do to their game? Who knows?
0: Yeah. Let's, uh, hope, let's hope that gets tested.
1: Yes, I, I hope so. And the A's I think are going to be good. I mean, that's a, that's a stout lineup, too. They play good defensively. Um, and somehow Billy Bean, he drives me crazy how he figures out to put teams together. But they were good last year, and I think that they are they will be the team to watch. I think the Angels are better. They don't have a good pitching staff, uh, you know, starting pitching. Uh, and, but they've got a great lineup. But you can't, you know, as we learned as old Ranger fans, you can't hit your way to the championship. At some point, someone's, no. someone's got to throw a gem. So, all right, well, we got to get into to, to the news of the day, and that's the coronavirus. And what is your feelings about all of this stuff?
0: I My mean, feelings are that, like everybody else, I'm kind of trapped in this weird it's strange. sort of uh, netherworld of I don't want to panic and overreact. Yep. But at the same time, if you go out and live life as normal, Medical professionals are telling you that you're endangering all the old people or people with compromised immune systems. So yep. it's really tricky to say, yep. "I'm going to go out of normal as usual." And then I'm going to buy groceries. I'm not going to panic. And then, oh crap! If I touch this doorknob, if the next person that does it is somebody's grandmother, I might kill her. Yes. So it's it's just it's, obviously it's unprecedented. It's really confusing, and uh, I'm, I mean. You look around and, and, and I don't see other than the toilet papers being gone, toilet paper being gone from every aisle in every store, which is very confusing to me. Oh, other yeah. than that, I don't see a lot going on uh, different in my immediate little world. My immediate little bubble has not changed that much as yours.
1: No, no, it hadn't, except that, you know, everything on T V right now, none of it's live. Look, this is the time of year when sports is busiest. You know, there's, there's, oh, no. and and there's just absolutely nothing. And baseball hadn't even started; it hasn't officially started anyway. But this is the time of year. Right. Every night you've got a Stars game or you got a Mavericks game, you know. You got college baseball going or or the March Madness getting ready to kick off. You know, and so with nothing on, it's surreal. And I'm like you. Look, I'm a guy. It that, is
0: surreal.
1: Yeah. At, at first, I was one of these guys that was like, "Come on, we we are just over. Are we over? What the heck? You know." Come on, we got it. and then I'm not, I'm not lying. As, as more happened, I went, you know, maybe we are, maybe we're not though. And so, and when it came to maybe we are, maybe we're not, I was like, well, are we really going to be hurt if we miss a month of baseball? No, we're not. Let, let's just, let's be a little, let's, let's get a handle on, let's find out if it turns out to be not near as bad as they're saying it is.
0: Well, Good. We just start things a little late. Exactly right. Yeah. I would like to look back and and have history look back on us and say, those idiots overreacted big time to those idiots underreacted big time. Because you know what happens if we underreact, if we we overreact, we wash our hands more. We don't go to the movies one night. We don't want to go out to eat. We, we stay at home and eventually this thing goes away. And that to me, Let's err on the side of caution that would never ring louder than right now.
1: And I think that, that more things are going to close uh, uh, coming up. And I think kind of the situation now, when, and when people think you're overreacting because we're closing things, it's not because we think – I think the main reason they want to start closing stuff down and keeping – I think the main thing is let's find out exactly who has it. Um, that's what we need to figure out. And the way to figure that out is we do kind of have to self-quarantine or in our school district here in Richardson, they're calling it uh, – social distancing and you know they're calling social
0: distancing is now a thing yeah that's yeah, why it, we're doing this by the phone because they don't want to hang out with you
1: yeah exactly <laughs> you don't want to be near me you know so that we'll have to wash our hands afterwards and wash off the microphone so there's,
0: there, there's so many tentacles to this thing and we yeah. we can't even grasp it but one of them is it, it does make a guy like me who's we've been talking about you know since I was you know basically could speak I've been immersed in sports right it is just absolutely bizarre for me at night not to go what's the score and it could be any time of the season any sport there's always what's the score is always a question I can ask every 365 days a year and be interested in the answer and last night I was like I can't ask what the score is because there's no games going on nothing really bizarre yeah Uh, a couple of other things I I thought about the people who are affected that you really don't think about it what are bookies doing right now (laughs) Bookies. And I'm not saying let's let's start a go fund me for bookies, yeah. but if you don't have sports to bet on, what are they doing? Oh, man. What, what are the Las Vegas sports books doing? I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they're going to survive, but yeah. it's just a, it's another tentacle the way you don't think about it like, yeah, they just got no action for 30 days, and that'll dent any business. And then what what is not, what isn't, uh, you know, 250 people or 500 people you cannot gather anymore without being cited, you know, ticketed, and Right. And uh, breaking the new law ordinances, but intimate gatherings of two are still allowed. John, check with me around Christmas. You're going to see a baby boom like this country has never seen because ah, people <laughs> like me are bored and we're <laughs> like, "There's no game on." Yep, I think I'll have sex. Yep, that's ex- and there's going to be uh, it, Christmas babies. And some of the women are going to be named Corona. Just watch it. Yeah, it's going to be nonsense right around
1: Christmas. Yeah, that's that's so funny that we've talked about that too. The baby boomers, you know, <laughs> that that's going to happen of in nine course. months. Yeah. There's to, a lot of these young kids, especially that that uh, that do. I, I was making a – Chris and Chris Halleck and I. He has a podcast. The the uh, the uh, that he does for SI. I was on there the other day. We were talking, and he said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "You guys are forcing me to talk to my wife a lot more." Um, I mean, that's a, jo- that's a joke. But it's I, like you, you know, I,
0: I I called a buddy. I called a buddy who's in uh, sports radio. And he's the guy that hired me as a fan. We're still friends, and yeah, huge Cubs fan. I mean, biggest Cubs fan I know. So and, I mom, morning, and I called him this morning. I go, "Man, oh, they should get together and have a beer one of these days. <laughs> yeah. And I said, "Man, I go, what are you doing?" He goes, I'm on the treadmill watching HGTV. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> I said, that's just where we are now. We're inventing new shows to watch. We're having to have dialogue with strange people. <laughs> Yesterday, I tweeted out, I'm like, sports nerds like me, what are we going to do in this 30-day void? Like, take up the piano? Yes. Are we going to learn Spanish? Are we going to call... An old friend? Are we going to do a podcast with an old friend, <laughs> yeah. or like me, let's just dust off the old VCR and watch some old sports? That's the best thing I can figure out to do.
1: Absolutely, and see, and, and what the the truth is 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 my wife has just turned into a huge sports fan. So that's something that we would talk about. Screaming huge sports fan and so we can talk sports and do all that now we're having to talk about other things besides sports you know but actually yeah, she's in the medical
0: like field dancing or knitting or something so you're good you know and
1: she's the one that 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 got me a little more concerned too she's in the medical field and what she does for a living and she was a she was a uh got her bachelor's in nursing and now she's in the the informatics or it part of it but you know she said it i don't think it's as much about what most people are worried about it's the facilities getting overrun eventually. She goes, this yeah. is this could be a huge problem. And she goes, so I think you've got to kind of prevent it from, you know, going, you know, it sort of is a pandemic now, I guess it's qualified as a pandemic, but it's not that, that, you know, people like you and me and it, we're a little older, but we're not in that older category they're really worried about or the young ones it's with the system problems or whatever, but think of those, the respirators are for people that have respirator problems or, uh, and stuff like that. And she goes and overrunning a hospital or whatever. When so many of them, and they don't have enough stuff to to treat the people that really need it. And that's that's a concern. And so they're really working overtime. She helps design and work this. Like the doctors, everything's online now. So everything goes online. Doctors put everything online and medical. Yeah. And and this is what they're having. The programs they use to to diagnose and you know how you go to the pharmacy and all that's all done computerized or with their and that's what they're that they do they write those programs and put them out and they set up these order sets for these doctors and do stuff like that and these people they can't take a day off when they're sick doctors don't take a day off neither do the hospitals they're not yeah, going to work close. from home right exactly
0: right yeah, they're
1: not going to close and so that made way more sense and i went yeah i you're right and we so what's what's wrong with staying home and having to be with your family a little bit, you know, um, yeah, exactly. and, and and do that? You know, so.
0: I, I, I'm in the I'm in the awkward position of you know, and like you, you read. If you're healthy and you get the coronavirus, you might get the sniffles. You might cough. You might run a fever for a day or two. Right. And you're like, that sounds like the common cold to me. No right. big deal. Right. And then I remember. My dad just turned 80 years old on Friday. Oh yes, he is a cancer survivor that that fought leukemia for two months. If he gets it, he's dead. Yep, he could so be. It's, it's like yeah, on one the hand, systems down. Of course, and on one hand, like my immediate group of friends are like, we get it, no big deal. But it's not if we get it; it's if we communicate it. If we somehow, mm-hmm. if we're carrying it and don't even know it, and we leave it, and my dad gets it, it's a death sentence. So. Yeah. It is serious, but it's hard to hammer that home when it doesn't personally affect us. And maybe that's the lesson here is yeah. let's, let's consider the elderly and the people with, you know, compromised immune systems, because it's not just about us. We're all in this together. If it takes us washing our hands longer or staying home for more days. Yeah, to help out our fellow Americans, then that's not that's something that's not bad. So that, and, let's do that if we possibly can.
1: And I think that's a great way to end it. That's exactly what I was thinking too. It's, I mean, look, it, yeah, it really sucks to not have sports on, but you know what? My my gosh, there's more important things than sports, and you and I don't believe that, but other people do. So we have to just we have to say that. <laughs> hopefully, it make, hopefully,
0: it'll make us appreciate it even more somehow when it comes back. Absolutely, I'm telling you, we're on like day three or four without sports and. I'm going crazy. I'm doing, you know, ridiculous Rangers Nation podcast for an hour. So you know, I'm going stir crazy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly.
1: You do not have nothing else to do. I guess I have to talk to John. <laughs> Good lord.
0: <laughs> no, John. No, I dropped everything for let's, you. Let's, that's the way I'm going to spin it.
1: <laughs> well, Richie, hey, listen, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's Richie Witt. He's with uh, SI right now. He's You're still
0: doing uh,
1: with the Observer, right? Are you with the Dallas Observer still?
0: Or? still I still write some Dallas Observer cover stories. matter of fact, I've got a cover story coming out uh, just before opening day on the Rangers' new digs out there. I saw you at the media event the other day, yep. and mm-hmm. I'll write about the uh, what the Rangers got in store for us on and off the field in their new stadium. So that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll still do that. CowboysSI.com is where you can find my weekly stuff on the Cowboys and the Rangers and with them, all that good stuff. So just poke around. You'll find me. I've been everywhere by now.
1: Yep. And what, you know what? What's your Twitter? Uh, is it at Richie Witt? Or? At,
0: at, at Richie Witt. That's R I C H I E W H I T T. Okay. you can't Rick- remember. just hit up Charles Haley. <laughs> He'll
1: fall for you. He'll do it. And we'll get to – hey, look, we're going to get together. We'll see each other at Ranger Games. We'll, we'll get together and do this again when we get this thing going on the road show. Richie, I really appreciate you coming on. It was fun. Right, in
0: hey, John, I'm proud of you, man. You're doing good stuff. We'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, Richie. We'll talk to you later. That's Richie all Wet. Right. Yep. All right, guys, listen. So we're going to end this thing here. For all of y'all, that. Uh, for Richie, I want to thank Richie for coming on. Obviously, it was fantastic for him to jump on here. We spent about an hour talking old times and doing that. Um I, Like I say, uh, we're going to go ahead and end it off right here. And like I say, at the end of everything that I ever write and at the end of every one of these that I ever record, nerd out.